everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. In this week's episode I'm joined with Tally Watt. Hi Tally. Hello. So nice to have you on um, and yeah to meet you in virtually. <laughs> <laughs> no it's great to be here thank you for having me. No worries no worries at all. Um, yeah let's get straight into the quick fire round um, just so the listeners can get to know you a little bit better. So first question is how old are you? I am 23. 23. Um, and what was your training and your, I guess, your company, like where did you train and then where did you work? Yeah, so um, <laughs> I started training just at my local ballet school, Arts, which is in Norwich in Norfolk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I joined a couple of associate programs, Dance East, which is part of CAT, the Centre of Arts Training, um, and Royal Ballet Mid-Associates. And then from there, I went on to join Royal Ballet School White Lodge for a little bit of time. And then majority of my training was spent at Tring Park School for the performing arts. And I was there for five years. Um, And then upon graduation there, I joined one of the national theatres out in the Czech Republic, which is called, it's quite a mouthful, the National Moravian Silesian Theatre. So yeah, so then I was there for two and a half, three seasons. Okay, nice. We'll get into all of that in a second. Um, and what were what point shoes did you wear when you were down, when you were either training or even professionally? So I started off with Freeds, which I loved, but then I would break through them quite quickly. So then I went on to Block Aspirations or Block European Balance. Nice Block European Balance were my first shoes. Ah, yeah, yeah, they're good. <laughs> yeah, they're all com- like they're super comfy. I think for point yeah, shoes. Yeah, no, I like them. They lasted me a long time, and I found it easy to roll through the feet. So I was like, okay, we're good. Yeah, that's all we need. <laughs> um, and what was your what's your favorite leotard? Ooh, do you know I have one from Slinger Dancewear, which yep. I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they follow me on Instagram. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Okay. That. I love that. <laughs> love that um oh nice yeah it's nice because you can kind of personalize it mm. um make it your own a little bit um so yeah no I think that's the one which feels the most me and I feel comfortable wearing in it all the time nice yeah I love all the leotards and I don't know I've always I don't know like I feel like over the years I've seen like photos would be like oh like companies in like parts of Europe like Czech or Romania like new slinger dance like everyone <laughs> all the company members like in like <laughs> new leotards yeah um, it's, it's like creeping around you see it more, and more yeah now. you see like creeping around like when someone does a batch order I love that um and what was your what's your favorite piece of choreography either you've learnt or seen Ooh. um so in my graduation year we did Kenneth McMillan um concerto part of it which mm. I loved um I love watching it love doing it um and also elite syncopations, which was just so much fun. Um, and then probably to dance as well. I 
when I was in the company, I did a piece by Juanjo Arts, which was Consequences, which was kind of like, I guess my sort of debut performance, sort of my solo feature role. So that holds a very special place in my heart. Yeah. Um, and we also did Rossini Cards by Mauro Bigonzetti, which was just so much energy and like you came off that stage dying mm -hmm. um and it was just so fun and yeah so I love doing both of them oh nice nice um and what is your favorite food um everything no um <laughs> I mean I am a sucker for I'm just gonna sound so basic but mm -hmm. avocado toast um <laughs> scrambled eggs very no, classic yeah um, but I love Thai food. So Thai mm. green curry nice. um, is a personal fave as well. Mm -hmm. Lo yeah, love a bit of Thai food. Mm. Love a bit of avocado on sourdough. Bread. <laughs> it has to be sourdough. Bread. I know. I am so basic. <laughs> I know. I, mean, I think so. actually in my um, like leavers hoodie from school, I think I've literally got avocado written on the back of it because <laughs> I was that obsessed. <laughs> I love it. That's so... <laughs> um, okay, so going into your journey with dance you I mean you briefly mentioned signing a small school and then moving into associates and then White Lodge so what essentially going into a bit more detail what your I guess early years with dance looked like was it something you were taking like taking seriously from the get-go were you doing more than one style um, and I guess when did you realize that you did want to start taking it more seriously like you know, auditioning for Mid Associates and then auditioning for White Lodge. Because, yeah, I mean, like, a, that's a lot of thoughts have to go through that <laughs> to, like, get to that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely started because, well, mainly my elder sister just did dancing and okay. I just looked up to her and mm -hmm. was like, I want to do everything she does. Mm -hmm. um, classic annoying little sibling. <laughs> um, and also because I just had so much energy. I think my parents were like, we need to put her in every after school activity possible. Um, and so, yeah, I did a lot of dancing. Um, it did quite a bit of gymnastics as well. And I just did normal sports and things as well back at school when I was younger. I just loved anything that was movement-based. So mm -hmm. I was always very, I couldn't sit still. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just then sort of fell in love with dance. I would say dance then became my sort of passion out of everything, alongside gymnastics, actually. Um, I remember probably being around nine and then thinking like, oh, you're going to have to pick which one you want to do more. Mm. Um but yeah, I loved the dancing. Ballet, I loved the most. I think it came probably most natural to me. I did other styles. I did tap and modern as well at this point. And I think we called it disco as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, just, I, I really enjoyed doing it, but mm -hmm. it was, I definitely was a ballet bunhead. Um, mm -hmm. I think even then. And yeah, I mean, I knew nothing. Uh, at that that like a vocational dance school was even okay. an option mm -hmm. um it was just something I was very much my own little world at, back at home like just loved doing mm -hmm. and then someone we had like a guest teacher come in and they sort of said maybe you have some potential you should audition for cat mm -hmm. um and like mid associates um so I did dance east first which is the cat program and mm -hmm. that's when I fell in love with contemporary because they did a lot of contemporary work there mm -hmm. um and then, yeah, I did mid-associates. And actually from the mid-associates audition, 
um, they asked if I wanted to audition for the school. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, this was all very new <laughs> for me. I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a school where you can do dance every day. Mm. Um, but actually from being invited to the school audition, I then didn't get the school place that year. So I got mid associates, but I didn't get the school. Um, and then I, which was actually, it was very obviously naturally, I think disheartening as any little mm. kid, you, know, you get your hopes up and then mm. um, it changes. But my school at the time, I had an extra year at so my school finished at year eight. So in a way it worked out well, because I did one more year at my school as I always was planned to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went back and auditioned for Royal and a couple of other schools. And yeah, then I got into a place to go to Royal, can't even speak, quite large then. Um, and yeah, so I think it was probably around 11 when someone actually opened my eyes a little bit to being like, hey, you have potential in this. Maybe, you know, you could take it a bit further if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think when I sort of realized that actually was an option, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just kind of worked my little butt off from then I guess yeah oh it's so interesting like I love I don't know I just love hearing people's especially like the first I guess well the earlier years of what their journey looks like because it's so different for everyone and it's interesting I don't know if it is actually interesting but I because I'm half Australian so like the way that I guess the ballet how ballet is like streamed in this country there's like people be, will be like okay associates and then like let's audition for like lower schools and then you know everyone's really gearing up to get into white lodge um and I just find that so fascinating because I don't get that like because I didn't grow up in the UK so I'm like yeah oh my God, what? <laughs> like I mean it's but similar in Australia but it's very big I feel like it's just so big over here yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I'm quite intrigued to be like what it's like out in Australia. Mm. Um, but here, it very much is that. And the thing is, I didn't, for me, I didn't know if that was the case until I was probably a bit late. So everybody mm. normally goes at year seven. Um, and I only realized that was a thing, say, come year nine. Mm -hmm. um, so I was always playing a little bit of catch up with it because I was, yeah, just not really aware that that is out there mm -hmm. um but I think it is interesting like the younger years because in a way that's when anything is in its most innocent form I guess mm -hmm. you know it's like that raw love for dance yeah um, and you're kind of blind to the other pressures what actually yes is. yeah yeah I mean uh, it's yeah that's what has seemed to be like what most people like a lot of people I've spoken to it's it's like it's almost just happened mm. without any kind of really deep planning and I only say that now because I feel like what I'm seeing now I don't know that's just because the way social media is but like I feel like I'm seeing more maybe involvement from parents into mm. like gearing their children into the white lodge stream yeah I don't know if we're all seeing the same thing but I just feel like I'm seeing like it's so much more but like when I'm talking to people that are my age or a little bit older they're early journeys with ballet was so like it's like oh yeah just so innocent and so pure and I'm sure that is still with it now but it's like it's almost you know people were like recommended oh like you 
daughter's got talent but like maybe the parents had no idea that like yeah the Royal Bay School was a thing I was gonna say in a way I kind of hope it still remains like that because I don't know in a way then like you, yourself as the dancer I know you kind of yeah you're doing it for yourself yeah exactly yeah um and I mean entering this industry that's the way it's kind of got to be mm. um so yeah hopefully I hope so <laughs> I mean it's I mean we're never really gonna know but I just feel like I just keep seeing like, I know social media things, now and I'm literally like um like I don't know <laughs> I don't know what to think um but yeah I don't it's just interesting it's so interesting um yeah, so you went to White Lodge for, so did you join there when you were 12? So I joined there when I was 13. 13, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I joined in year nine and mm-hmm. I was just there for year nine. Okay. Um, so I joined in um, and I have, it's actually, it feels a so long ago now. I don't mm. Yeah, it must be so. Um, but I love the people I met there. So um. I loved my year group that mm-hmm. I was with. Um, I definitely kind of did stand out, I think, when I joined. I just remember being very loud and recognizing that maybe I need to turn, tone down that tone part down. of myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, I love to do, like I said, I was quite good at gymnastics and I love to do cartwheels around. And mm-hmm. yeah, that, that I couldn't do that. <laughs> more injury risks and all of that um so I remember it being a whole different environment Mm -hmm. and obviously moving away from home and things um and joining a year group when they had already been there a while Mm. well two years um was a bit of adjustment um Mm. but no I was very fortunate with the year that I joined and I love the people there um but I think it was hard for me. So I always knew that I had to catch up. Like I hadn't been in vocational training like they had for a while. Yeah. Um, and obviously they do assessments at Royal. So it came around to the assessments. Um, I actually had a, like you have a conversation with your teacher uh, beforehand and so do the parents. And I got told that um, I would be fine, may not get the highest mark in the year, but that's fine because you'll get the following years. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously they don't assess out between the GCSE years. Yeah. So it was like the big cut as such. I think um, they are now. I'm going to break that in, but I have a fit. I read somewhere that they've, that they're not, it's not a promised thing anymore. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very interesting. Interesting. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Yes. And yeah, I then actually didn't get the following year. Okay. Um, which, yeah, that, I never got a reason and I think okay, probably hard. still throughout my training um that was a thing which I think let fester a lot or probably mm-hmm. like knocked my confidence down the most because um I, I never got a reason as to sort of maybe why you know mm. maybe if it was maybe I didn't have enough turnout or I mm. needed wasn't the right shape or feet mm. or x y and z um but it just came down to I just I didn't, never knew um and in my eyes I think as you know a young teenager um it falls down to I just don't think I'm good enough mm. um but so that was hard and I think obviously from going the year before mm. from being invited to the school not getting it and then getting it and then leaving it it was just a bit like a roller coaster yeah, I can um, yeah. and I was just quite young at the time mm. and yeah so that was my time there um 
nonetheless, I think I completely broke down when I found out the news and then the rest of the time I didn't cry. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was one thing which maybe good or not, like it's good to cry, you know, let out emotions. Mm. But I think I completely just blocked it off and was like, no, I'm going to make most of my time here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then after that, I had actually always done a few um, Easter courses and mm -hmm. things at Tring okay. um, during the holidays. And I auditioned for there again, and I got a scholarship to go there, which um, was a massive help as well. And yeah, I joined there the following year. And yeah, I had a very thankful for my time at Tring actually. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Nice. So you were there up until you graduated. Yeah. Form. Yeah. So I joined there for like the GCSE time. And then mm -hmm. I think naturally at 16, you know, you have the pressure whether you want to change for upper schools and things. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't know because I was trained as all different styles. Yeah. Um, and I think naturally I kind of felt the pressures as should I go somewhere more classical mm -hmm. um, or should I stay? Um, but I was, I think quite to be honest quite vulnerable at the time I was suffering mm -hmm. quite a lot with a few eating disorders and things okay um completely lacked confidence from I think I kind of had a backlog from what mm -hmm. happened at Royal so yeah. from not crying I think it kind of hit me later on hit, yeah mm -hmm. um and ultimately I think anywhere that you go what you put in was what you get out and I was very fortunate that the teachers um yeah, I had invested a lot in helping me build my confidence up and kind of recognize me as an individual again, which I think mm -hmm. is something which I felt I had lost. Like I said, I can even being very loud, I had to turn that down and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so to be able to sort of build that self up again, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I stayed there, um, till I was 19, yeah, mm -hmm. so your graduation, yeah, yeah, nice, yeah, it's interesting because I it must have yeah like I can imagine it would have been difficult to make that decision at 16 of thinking well I'm sure like it went like did it go through your head to be like oh should I audition for Royal again um did you apply for like other places so I mean it definitely went through my head whether I should audition there again and just other vocational dance schools as well even different places around Europe and things mm -hmm. um but I never applied in the end um okay. I think I had a conversation with my parents and actually spoke a little bit with the school. Um, but no, I think in the end, I realized that staying there would be the best option for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I'm very glad I did. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it must, yeah, it is difficult, that decision. And if you don't have the support, I think it can be very easy. I mean, training, deciding where to train, I think is just like, it's such a difficult decision to make. Oh yeah, and so much of it's roped up in the name. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that I can say, for example, like, and you can have a very glamorous name and title. I'm not going to list different places and things, mm -hmm. but ultimately, I think it comes down to a you as an individual, right? Like, you have to know what's right for your training as well, because you can go to one of those fancy names, and mm -hmm. maybe it's not right for you. You know, maybe you do need something different. Um, yeah yeah it is I mean it is so easy to get caught up in the names and I think I mean people do because people I think it's easy to believe that having a certain name 
will guarantee you a job or guarantee you a place in another school or all this but there is there's never a guarantee um (laughs) (laughs) there's there's never a guarantee that some things will help admittedly I mean that's one thing I've learned from the podcast and interviewing different dancers is the level of help particularly when it comes to looking for work that different schools offer and some schools have more connections than other and others and that is something that has really opened my eyes so definitely like it's a thought but but just because like you said like just because the name has a a school has a fancy name a big well-known name doesn't mean it's a place for you um and I do try and reiterate that in you know every time I'm talking to someone about it because it is it's so important to find a place where you feel nurtured but you also feel challenged and you feel like is a comfortable environment for you to grow as an artist yeah and that's all that's all you that's all you should ask for from your training essentially is that because you could have a great name but you could feel shit scared every time you walk into the room and you it could be super toxic and then what and then what (laughs) like literally and then what exactly i remember that's kind of what i had beforehand Mm -hmm. um you know, I worked in fear. I built up so much tension in my upper body because mm-hmm. I was just so afraid to do a step wrong because you ever get, you know, mm-hmm. yelled at or, you know, I think one of, I remember receiving a compliment being like, Tally, you're the only people I haven't made cry. And thinking, oh my gosh, this is amazing. They haven't made me cry. But that like, you know, that shouldn't be a compliment. Oh, no. what the heck? Um, oh and, God, that's... You know, like you need someone like, and that's why, as you know, to go right back from the beginning, how you were mm. saying like, the start of everyone's journey with dance is so interesting because it is, you know, that is your raw sparkle, love, or however mm-hmm. you call it for dance, you know, and that's the thing which has got to carry you through. So with all your training and everything, I think, Mm-hmm. that's you got to make sure you where how you can keep that alive mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where you go but mm-hmm. that's the thing which has got to keep you going mm-hmm. exactly um I want to go back a bit because you mentioned that during those years around when you were thinking about moving to a different school that you did experience a few eating disorders yeah um how comfortable are you like talking about that no I am quite comfortable okay that, yeah. yeah okay so what do you I don't know like I mean you kind of said that you think it festered from like it all just kind of came tumbling down like your experience of I guess being a sense like all the stress that essentially built up do you think think, yeah it was definitely stress I think it was a lot of changes so Mm -hmm. within three years I then had gone I've changed to three different schools um from one school I was at since I was like a child my normal homeschool then to the next school then the next school um so I think it was a lot of change and obviously um at that time you know you go through puberty I think I was going through some changes myself Mm -hmm. um all different hormones and things um and then just kind of like the mental knockbacks of things um and then I completely yeah lost confidence in myself Mm um and I I think I, I, I do I suffer with anxiety mm-hmm. and um I I think I projected it onto food when I was okay. younger mm-hmm. um and I think 
with all the changes at one point, I kind of, I definitely ate in a way which I never ate. Um, So I did sort of, I guess in a way, binge on random Mm -hmm. things. And then with all the hormones and stuff changing, I probably did put on, I was always very, I was a scorned kid, (laughs) I think with all the activities. And then I just wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I had a comment made to me that I had changed. and I think me being the perfectionist, anxiety sort of person I am, mm-hmm. and then with anything, I kind of realized I was probably, with all the knockbacks, projecting it on, overeating maybe, even mm-hmm. though it kind of wasn't. It was just very different to how I normally had. Okay. Um, it wasn't healthy, I would say. Like, I just kind of went on a sugar rush, I think, being just that school freedom, kind of natural. Yeah. And I completely yeah. flipped the other way. Okay. Um, almost like overnight, um and then that change yeah wasn't healthy um and I was yeah not looking after my body I was overtraining, under eating um yeah just feel quite like yeah if I could go back now and just hug myself I'd be like Tally no don't do this no don't do that do um, so yeah. yeah no I was and that kind of um yeah led me through kind of up and down uh, for a few years um kind of throughout my years training mm-hmm. I was in and out of being complete, very underweight uh to sort of maintaining that point of being okay to dance and mm-hmm. being yeah it yeah it followed me through a lot you know I don't it, it's so funny because being a perfectionist you know I I can look back on it now and there's obviously so much pressure in dance to look a certain way yep. and in my head I think from feeling like I wasn't good enough mm-hmm. I thought I would be a better dancer if I was skinnier yep. um or I can make myself look perfect by being this image um when in reality I can see now in hindsight that I was doing the complete opposite like mm-hmm. I didn't have the strength um I didn't have the energy you know I'd be so tired the whole time that I would literally black out sometimes um and but in my head you know and that's just the horrible thing of an eating disorder you think Mm -hmm. what you're doing is the right thing um but no um fortunately I received like a lot of help um to sort of manage that and I did get to a point which was manageable Mm -hmm. um and then, but I would say it was only really probably until I joined a professional company. I think I was in denial about it a lot of the time. Yep. So if anybody would have ever asked me, I would have been like, no. Okay. Um, I was just very good at probably hiding a lot mm. of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was probably only until I joined the company where I started to actually open my eyes up a little bit to sort mm. of all the damage and denial I was in. Mm. Um, which is a real shame, I think, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think I really relate to everything you've said, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners right now relating as well. I think, I don't know, it's not really, I don't think it isn't, well, I don't know if we're going to class it as binging, but I know that that as an eating disorder in the dance community isn't talked about enough at all. Mm-hmm. I've, like, I'm sure we've all seen it, um, possibly experienced it. It's, it's common and I think it's actually the most common eating disorder out of all the eating disorders Mm -hmm. but it's also the least talked about I think well 
because there's a lot of shame um and especially when you're in dance and there's you know body expectations you know like you said you experience comments of people commenting on your weight like that doesn't help anyone like it literally like (laughs) sends sends you into a spiral (laughs) it does I mean and that happened when I was then young and then I think Mm. yeah I probably was then but then I was just so I was always known as even when I was at school like um I was naturally I'm quite I'm quite a small person Mm -hmm. um and I did have a small frame so I was always tiny tally so then sort of being told then the opposite once even when I was probably just a bit more healthier but had Mm -hmm. obviously been just a lot of changes and then I just completely flicked the other way it is um and like body dysphoria all of it like it's just it's very deceiving because you never know how you look and like being stripped into a leotard the whole time um it's so exposing Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know and what I I think that was very hard because what I you know I wouldn't see myself the way others would see me so Mm -hmm. I would think I was overweight or anything and I I definitely wasn't um Mm -hmm you know and and but it wouldn't matter of who told me you know yeah. and it got to the point even when you know people told me then I've been the opposite you know that I was very underweight but wouldn't have believed it because mm. that, it's just not how you view yourself yep. um and that is the only thing which I think ever helps that is yeah you've got to receive a certain amount of help and having those conversations um but time you know mm-hmm. you've got to have the time to sort of reflect and like nothing's going to be fixed overnight in that sort of way, physically or mentally. And mm-hmm. my personal opinion, the mental part is the hardest part. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not talked about. Even now, like I don't talk about it that much. Um, and like it makes me even still now to this day anxious or like shaky talking about it because it is just one of those things which unfortunately is, yeah there's a lot of shame attached to it um which I would hope through things like what you're doing um in the podcast and just people just being more open about it is that it's really nothing to be ashamed of you know mm-hmm. it's unfortunately more common than it should be mm-hmm. um but it's having those conversations which will detach the shame from it yeah yeah that's I think the biggest thing like looking back I feel like I've had a fairly similar experience to what you've described um which is like it's sad because it's sad that so yeah. many people that like like and I look I back and I want to like, give no, myself don't tell me that no, like it's okay <laughs> like I look back and I want to give my younger self a hug like all the time and I just and I guess like everything that I try and do with the podcast is like I don't want anyone to ever have to go through that like it's it's sad and like I just think of all the pretty much like all the wasted hours of me feeling so weak that I couldn't put 100% into it like I'm literally like what were you doing like what were like for what no exactly like literally for what so many conversations in the car um with my dad driving back to school um and he's just being like, it's such wasted energy. Like all the energy you're spending into your into the food is energy you could be spending on to dance, but also more importantly, just into living, mm. right? But because I was so afraid that, um, like I complete it, 
I think with the eating disorder or anything mentally, um, we forget actually how that projects into like your normal everyday life as well. Mm. Not just in like the studio, you know, mm. like I was so afraid to go out and socialize. Um, I like, if I thought going out for a coffee or, you know, when I was slightly older, going out with friends, um, if I thought that meant I would have to eat in a social situation, I just wouldn't go because I'd be mm. so afraid, you know, and from that you then become very isolated. And then obviously then that has other effects on your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all of those things which ultimately is it's just wasted energy. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, it's just, it's sad. And that's a thing yeah. which needs to be changed. And I think more and more it is becoming more open. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully there are more resources out there. Um, and so I'm actually teaching a lot more than I am dancing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely one thing which... I would like to think through teaching that, you know, you can always create those sort of safe environments as well. Mm. Um, And I think because there is more conversation and there are more things like what you're doing and stuff, then there is more resources out there than there was. Yes. um, Which is at least a step, right? Yeah, it's a step. (laughs) We're getting there. Um, Yeah, I guess like going, then going to when you started your professional career, how did, that change in terms of opening your eyes and I guess like maybe realizing that the place that you had been in for the past few years oh I think I would just relax a lot okay yeah (laughs) I think I was this big ball of anxiety and fear Mm -hmm. um that I just was never going to be good enough and I was I was a workaholic um (laughs) at school so I would be in the studio at 8 a.m. and I would not see me out until like 8 p.m. or 6 like I would be Mm. there all day in the lunch breaks I would eat my food as quick as I could and be practicing um weekends I spent extra classes like I was just all this energy like bottled up and I think Mm. when I joined um got the information that I received contracts um I think I could just breathe (laughs) um I was like everything that I have worked for. So when I got assessed out at actually a boil, that was when after not being given that explanation, somebody said to me, mm. you know, you've got pretty legs and feet, but that doesn't mean you're going to make it as a dancer. Um, and told I wouldn't. Mm. I then, everything I think up until that point, I've been literally like, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. Um, so then when I had, I, yeah, I relaxed a lot. So I think from there and then actually joining the company and being in a professional environment, it's very, I knew it was going to be different from school, but I didn't realize how different it would be from school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt very welcome to be myself. Um, and I was very fortunate in the company. Like, or like so I'm not there anymore, but mm-hmm. I do still count them as like a second family out mm-hmm. there. Um, and I... Yeah, I think I could just relax. I could feel like I could be myself. I knew everything that I had worked had sort of got me to that point. Mm -hmm. It was still very different. Like I became very anxious again. So whereas being like a little fish in a big pond, I then became a big fish when I in my graduation year, because you know Mm -hmm. you're at the top of the school and everything like that, to then become a little fish again in another Mm -hmm. big pond. Like that was a very different thing. Mm -hmm. Um but also in the company there was 
like everyone, you know, you've got all different ages, um, all different abilities still, you know, and I think from there, my perspective and outlook changed. And I, I knew I needed to have much more energy. And I think I just let go a little bit of all the mm-hmm. things which I had kind of been holding on to. And I think yeah. a lot of that was the people I was around, the environment I was around, also changing country um, and living abroad and things like mm-hmm. that. You know, I didn't have a Sainsbury's down the road or something, you know, it was mm-hmm. different there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think that definitely helped. Um, I definitely had a rocky road, little bits of journey there as well. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I think that was a big transition. I'm waffling, mm. so I'm going to stop. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, I want to talk about more, I guess, like your injuries, because you talked about like your injuries. Um, in Was that in, like a uh, both um, in school and professional? Yeah. Yeah. So in my graduation year, I had, I had back pain, okay. um, which I kind of, knew had always been there but I didn't really knew so but I figured I should probably get it looked at because um we were doing a lot of obviously auditions and things like that as well and yeah it was quite I noticed there was a problem so had an MRI scan and it turned out that I had had a stress factor back on it probably when I was an adolescent which I didn't realize so obviously Mm -hmm. I didn't take care of it um and then obviously with something like that you need to take a lot of time off um and from not doing that I had if I remember it correctly had worn away my cartilage between my L4 and 5 so then it was just like this fibrous mesh and something like that there's nothing you can do Mm -hmm. um, unless they literally fuse the joints which is this whole procedure which um yeah not doing Mm -hmm. um and it's quite common I think particularly with like dancers and gymnasts and things like that to have something in that um so I just had to do a lot of work on my core strength to sort of balance it out mm-hmm. um and just really keep on top of physio treatments make sure like my glutes and things like that didn't get tight mm-hmm. um and sort of just limit the range I was pushing my arabesques and extensions mm-hmm. and things um so I didn't put loads of pressure on that um and then I also had so I think again in my graduate I was just overworking really um I always had pain in the back of my Achilles so throughout training I had to have a couple of cortisone injections okay um and in my last year I went over my ankle um and I don't think I really I had slightly torn my ligament um in that and again overworking not listening mm-hmm. to my body just didn't rest properly so mm-hmm. then that injury followed me into my company mm-hmm. um and I continued to have a lot of pain so I remember doing Swan Lake and my foot was just it was just so swollen all the time with the amount of oh. like lactic acid yeah um and yeah so then I had to join the company I think in my second season Mm-hmm. I had to come back and I had another cortisone injection mm-hmm. um and then I went back out there and then actually just as I left my company uh, my foot went again mm-hmm. and when I came back home I had to I had another scan on my foot and basically mm-hmm. um the reason why I was getting pain in the back I had like a really big cyst um so it's like oh a gangly, I think they call it um which was putting pressure on the back of my like Achilles and things okay which is why I was having restriction and then yeah I think 
when I had gone over my injury back in my grad year, mm-hmm. the ligament was still torn, but because I had kept going over it, I had just torn all the ligaments at the front pretty much. So then I had to have ligament repair surgery. Okay. Um, Cause at that point they sort of then said to me, look, there's, that you, you, you need yeah. <laughs> oh you can't gosh. you can't keep going so then yeah, yeah. So then I had um that surgery done as well mm-hmm. oh my god what's that yeah I guess like how's been recovering from the surgery is that because that's then been pretty in the last how long yeah it was about a year coming up to a year and a half but okay because I can are you fully recovered now yeah pain free okay good um more or less I don't think I could really do point is still um okay hard I get a lot of inflammation real quick um I think part of that could be scar tissue yeah um I recovery was interesting I mean I think also because this is when I had like I had handed my notice so I wasn't dancing in the company anymore Mm -hmm. um so I was able to sort of like I, d- I didn't have any pressure in terms of my recovery mm-hmm. um so I could really take my time with it it was weird because it was obviously during the pandemic mm-hmm. um so we were in I think we had gone into it maybe it was the second or the third lockdown um, yeah. again where I was doing physio treatment and things so that was fu- I remember coming up for the surgery in London was just a ghost town <laughs> it was so weird yeah it was um, pretty dead in the pandemic yeah so um so no so that's been good I mean parts of it are like I mean like the ligament at the front feels stronger than it was before obviously okay yeah I don't know what they did very sewed it up or I don't know how it works Mm -hmm. I'm not a doctor (laughs) but however they repaired it Mm -hmm. um but the back of the Achilles I still get a lot of inflammation which is um as much as I'm not dancing any as much anymore and I am doing more teaching and coaching and things it Mm -hmm. is still quite um frustrating because um I don't I, I never like to close any doors so you know mm-hmm. I might decide to dance again um mm-hmm. or I might continue teaching but even with the teaching it is um yeah I get pain in it really quick so I'll be demonstrating okay. or something and I'm like nope let's do it on the upper foot now <laughs> yeah no I get that it is it is yeah teach like I mean I've done a bit of teaching here and there but it is like you're on your feet and you're demonstrating so like I can imagine like you are still going to be having a little bit of pain and obviously that is frustrating um yeah my god like yeah that's it's a lot of I I've had a couple friends that have had quite bad Achilles related injuries and I think that's a really I mean lower leg injuries yeah um are really big in ballet particularly um and it's hard because I don't know I mean there's not really one main answer to help I mean, yeah, I just, I just, I wish no one had to deal with that because it's so, it like, you can't, like, what, can, you can't dance or you can dance yeah. and you push through and you make it worse. And exactly, um, that's what I did, Um, which, yeah. you know, again, it's all sort of things in hindsight where I look back and I sort of, I think because being new into the company, I was so afraid that you know everyone's so easy replaceable and obviously if you're like you know your contract's always being renewed and things like that it was just I didn't want to take time off Mm -hmm. um and yeah in hindsight that just it was very it's just quite to be honest quite immature of me not to look after my body um 
and because that is you know your body quite literally is your instrument sound cliche mm. but um it is I manage my injury well I would say so I always would take care of icing it massaging it getting treatment um rehabilitating it like I was your a star student in terms of doing what needed to be done mm-hmm. but sometimes at the end of the day you just like I think rest as a dancer in general is really underestimated I certainly yesterday underestimated it yeah. um and that is one thing if I could go back I would be like tally rest mm-hmm. like don't underestimate rest mm-hmm. um because it's so important it's so important um and there's that fear I think if you're not training all the time you're going to lose strength and this and that but actually there's just so much benefits from listening to your body taking the rest and actually you'll probably come out of it stronger mentally and physically Mm. um unfortunately they're just things which I let that fear um lead me more than actually being smart (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. Did you, when you were injured in your company, did you feel, I guess, like looking back, do you think if you had taken the time off, you would have been fine? Like you would have, I say, like you wouldn't have lost your job or like, or do you yeah. think, oh, I may have been replaced if I was off for too long? Cause I think I it mean, does vary company, like place to place. Yeah. And I don't know if you, how you yeah looking back if you've thought about that I mean I definitely would have had like someone if I was down for the role or whatever mm-hmm. to use the word replace for that role or something yeah you would yeah but, I mean that and the study would have picked yeah yeah that happens the whole time I like, use so often mm-hmm. you know flown in last minute or mm-hmm. anything um no I think do you know what I think with all of it it's how you come back from injury mm-hmm. so I think if you you know you take x y and z off you need six weeks you need six months you need six days two days mm-hmm. um i think it's the how you come back and also like your mentality about it mm-hmm. so i think just with how i am as a person um i <laughs> I, I start laughing some of it i think when it comes to it <laughs> like i love working hard so okay, same. Think, yeah like be proud of it it's a great thing to be it's a great to be a hard worker I think I probably I should have trusted myself more in terms of being no I would have come back and you know I would have learned choreography in my spare time and I would have come in knowing the part I would have been asking questions I would have been doing what needed to be done mm-hmm. um so I think I should have had more faith and trust in my ability to know that I would do that because I actually think if I had, I would be fine. Um, but yeah, definitely being new, it was, yeah, it was, it was hard. Scary. Like, yeah. It was scary. You know, you have that fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's drilled into you the whole time. Like I do remember being told like, there's always going to be someone working harder than you, harder than you. So you've got to make sure you're doing it. Um, which. I now look back on and I kind of hate that saying. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, it's like, well, like, what are we just going to start like comparing ourselves to like, uh, like, it's so weird. Like, it's like, what, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are I'm we much trying to... more like, you've got to work smart than work hard. Um, and I wish that was drilled in. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. Well, what is, I think the other thing is like working hard is going to, is so subjective. Like, 
someone's work hard is someone else's not work hard and that's fine like yeah it's very individual. I, it's so individual what someone classes but then it's like well what are we equating hard work with like the amount of hours like is it done by time is it done by effort like because you could be I kind of then started think like over time realizing okay I actually need to work smarter not harder you know it's quality over quantity like yeah. what's the point of burning yourself out spending three hours on the weekend in the studio when actually maybe just try and focus by working your body harder in the classes that you have yeah and giving a hundred just putting that extra bit in and pushing a little bit more yeah how long do you think it took you to come to that realization yeah it took me a while (laughs) (laughs) like I was like oh okay okay I'll just start trying to use my body slightly differently um and just be a bit more smart when I'm approaching exercises and not just doing it but thinking about it um it's crazy but I I think that's something that I've worked I've realized a lot as well with like being in lockdown is that I feel like I've had to be really smart with my training because I'm not training like I was at school like I'm not dancing six hours a day but I'm still trying to maintain my strength um I hate the word stay in shape but we all know what I mean by like (laughs) that kind of thing yeah like I always just try and imagine okay like if I get a job tomorrow am I ready sort of like that's just the way I think about it like am I ready um, to go off to do an audition or whatever um, so it's like having to be smart about how you use your time and your resources and your space but like it's like it's fun like it could be better but like at the same time it's not like it isn't our yeah it's interesting I think there's always changed about it <laughs> exactly you know there's always going to be things which you think can be done more I think that's oh absolutely kind of like the natural absolutely in our industry mm-hmm. um but I think sometimes it is yeah it's just taking a step back and actually looking on it and being like huh okay maybe I just need to t- change my perception of this yeah um, to what is working hard or what is working smart because it is so individual mm-hmm. um but ultimately like for me I completely overworked which led me to burning out to be honest so mm-hmm. um which is, yeah, it's, I'm still like kind of recovering, figuring out what that even means. And mm. like, it's sad ultimately, but um, it's, that's why when I say like, don't particularly as a, I think a student and I'm very empathetic towards um, that sort of new generation coming up, I'm like, please just rest, please spend time like mm-hmm. looking after your bodies because that is, so important um like it's not something to be underestimated Mm. um what do you what did I guess like burnout what did that what did that feel like yeah so did you kind of realize you like oh like I don't know was that something you realized later like looking back and like oh I was really burnt out then or did you kind of hit a wall and be like okay, I can't do this any, like, I need to, like, step back. Yeah, I think a bit of both. So I actually know in my last year at school, mm-hmm. I definitely started to experience burnout then. Okay. So, like, burnout is this sort of, like, state of, like, unexplained tiredness, mm-hmm. poor performance, um, negative state of mind, I guess, and, like, just not really being able to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I started to get real actual like physical symptoms of it so I was not sleeping at all I mean part of this could all be linked with the way I was eating at the time they were training but they're all impacted towards burnout so I yeah I my I literally became sort of like yeah I, I my sleep was shocking um didn't really sleep or was waking up in the whole night kind of <laughs> I don't want to say insomnia but it was it felt like that sometimes okay. mm-hmm. um I would start to get really bad night sweats um uh-huh. and I was so anxious and I remember I was meant to do my very last ever assessment um at school and I had to go into the office and was like I can't do it but I haven't slept all night um and yeah I, I had to go home for a couple of days and I think then I remember the school contacting uh, my family at the time and being mm-hmm. like, I think Tally is experiencing burnout because I I didn't give myself a day off, literally, particularly in my graduation year. And even throughout mm-hmm. the holidays, you know, always going off to summer schools, mm-hmm. um, which I loved. And, you know, I'm so thankful I did it, but they're great to do providing you balance it out. And I just didn't have that balance. Yeah. Um, so that was very much like that at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I sort of recognized the physical symptoms and things. And then I did give myself a little bit of time over the summer before I joined my company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ultimately I should have had longer. And I, oh, and I say, I gave myself like a week or two weeks, like just to sort of switch <laughs> off, which is so dumb. Um, but again, it was that fear, like I'm joining a company, I've got to prove myself again. And I think the burnout then didn't really show itself as much when I was in the company because I was new again and everything's changing and exciting um but ultimately um it caught up on me again so my I really struggled with sleep again um things just like obviously becoming more prone to injuries Mm -hmm. um and my mood um yeah I started to really become I started to suffer quite a bit with depression and anxiety um, and that just got worse and worse. And actually lockdown came at a very good time for me. Mm-hmm. Um, as awful as it was around the world, like mm. the tragedy, it was for me, it enabled me to come back home and actually kind of switch. I then joined the company again and I kind of, yeah, I was thinking I was in a better headspace. I had sort of some time, but ultimately I was still training so much at home and I even ran a half marathon over lockdown to raise money like I still oh, wasn't really <laughs> um but you know in my last season and I mean I think I there was lots of reasons to them why mm-hmm. I left um actually in the end and part of it was a loss of a friend part mm-hmm. of it was this burnout just catching up on me again my anxiety and depression and I think all of it when it came around to it I sort of I was watching rehearsal one time and I just sort of, for me, I realized I was like, I really can't do this anymore. Mm. I'm not in a good place. Um, I'm, I'm just tired. Like, mm. and I, I couldn't explain that tiredness. Like there wasn't mm. any words for it. It was just the whole thing, how I felt in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, yeah, I think it was that point. It was like I was looking at it through a mirror. It was really weird. And I just Yeah, like you were watching over your own life. Yeah, I just knew at that point. I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm done. So I just, yeah, um, I went into the office, um, I think actually the following day, and I just explained to them and handed in um, my notice. And then 
I came home not long after. And then, yeah, so that has literally been the, that was a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And anywhere with burnout, I think I definitely um, have like long-term one. So there's like obviously short-term one and long-term one. And yeah, the long-term one can take like three to five years to sort of like come out of it. the thing is with me, I know, so I think with all of that, I was still wondering, like, do I want to keep dancing anymore? Like, because I was so obsessed with it, so in love with it, it consumed my whole life mm-hmm. um, to then turn around and be like, do I even want to do it anymore? Do I, like, does it make me happy? Because I'm so mm-hmm. tired and like, it's just so demanding and it was mm-hmm. very, very confusing. It still, it still yeah. confuses me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think with the time and having the surgery and like I did give myself probably the first time in my lifetime just to really kind of recover Mm. um I sort of look back and I still know dance is always going to be a part of my life um it's just how I take it to be in my life so for now I found a real passion it's so funny I never thought I would enjoy teaching I remember being at school I was like no not I don't think I'll enjoy it um but yeah I've completely I've I love it I love working I mean I've got uh my nieces and nephew at home who are I adore so I love children um Mm -hmm. and then I have a very empathetic part I think with like adolescents and young adults training because from my own experience Mm -hmm. um so it's nice to be able in a way I guess go a little bit full circle and sort of Mm -hmm. start to rekindle that passion for dance but in a completely different way um and who knows like I started I've just started really going to like classes again just for myself mm-hmm. um yeah and it's weird it does feel a bit like playing Bambi again and rediscovering it like a bit like I was when I was a kid mm. and also terrifying because there's so many things like obviously that natural perfectionist part in you from being like the professional being like okay my leg used to be here and now it's here (laughs) um why can't I turn like it's all of those things Mm -hmm. which I think is a big adjustment and with the burnout and then my own anxiety like kind of contradict each other sometimes Mm -hmm. um but it is just one of those things which it's just time Mm -hmm. and like I think I know that and I've got thankfully a lot of support around me to sort of get to A to B yeah that's really good um that you've got that but it's yeah I feel like not I feel who was I talking to I feel like when I was talking to Stephen McRae we were talking a bit about um burnout because he it was that's like kind of what led to his injury yeah um and I think like what I have kind of seen more recently is essentially like younger dancers getting more and more burnt out um you know at younger ages which is when you think about it like it is quite sad to think that like it's I mean it's scary to think that yeah dancers are getting burnt out when they're still in training let you know their career hasn't even begun um and it's uh, yeah exactly like what you said like having to prioritize and listen to your body when it comes to resting is so important and I think well again like literally like you said it's underestimated um and I just hope that people listening kind of can realize 
that you need to rest and I mean I it's something I struggle with like I really struggle to stop I was talking to my mom I was like I feel like I'm constantly living in fight or flight which is re- I know is really bad like yeah, it's-, but it's like that's how I felt <laughs> and it is I think it's so common oh. you do and it's kind of hard not to it's, because yeah. it is like I excuse the pun you're constantly mm. on your toes right mm. like you're you're trying to balance everything and I think particularly like when you're freelancing as well which I which I tried to do a little bit when I came home just to see like do I enjoy this do I not mm-hmm. um it is like or even graduating school you never know when you're going to get an audition you know you don't know anything or in a company you don't know when maybe if you're an understudy if you'll get the part or something like this like you're always living on edge and mm-hmm. it's I think it's hard to sort of balance out that like so I identified myself as a dancer. I'd literally be like, hi, I'm Tally the dancer, mm-hmm. you know, as if it was like my personality. But mm. it's a very separate thing, you know, like I danced because mm-hmm. I loved dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for it to not consume me um, is something I was, it's taken a lot of time to sort of, and only really yeah. just now starting to learn it. Mm-hmm. And it is something which I wish I had identified a lot earlier because I think I mean I'm only 23 you know and I'm already like feeling that bad out and looking at probably the next stages of my career and things like that which is very young mm. but it's because I I, I was burnt out mm-hmm. you know and probably the injuries I had like getting a stress factor when I was an adolescent yes mm-hmm. part of that is puberty and things like that but because I was overtraining so young and it's very you see it as you said more and more in younger dancers whether that's because they feel pressured I think to go on point earlier and things like Mm -hmm. this you know when they're not ready and it's just like how how I don't it's the question like how How? fight or flight mode you just yeah yeah and I think the thing is it obviously it can start with one person but it's like a universal thing right like so everybody has got to come to it yeah yeah and I think that's I don't know I feel like it doesn't help that we are kind of living in a society that really praises like what we're talking about hard work the grind like always doing something um like we're not even outside of dance the idea of I don't know spending a day doing you know nothing in inverted commas where that means not training or not being super productive whatever that means like you know it looks different on everyone um but I think kind of living I feel like I'm seeing it more and more now but the whole we're definitely living in an age where everyone is wanting to be productive and mm. being productive and getting stuff done and every day like doing the absolute most um is kind of valued um and I think what we're seeing with dancers is especially with social media like yeah seeing the standard increase at a younger age everyone else is kind of feeling a bit behind um and that you know we have to catch up and all this but I think like something I I try and remind myself is looking at you know, remembering times when I may have watched dancers, I don't know, like, I mean, I didn't really watch Dance Mums, but most of the dancers on Dance Mums, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of an iconic show. Um, 
I'm sure all of them will say they're burnt out, like they got, they were burnt out. Yeah. From doing that, like it was insane. But yeah. we, but as an audience, so many younger dancers or dancers their age would look up to that and be and like that's the aspiration like they're insane look at how many turns they do look at how many they're winning all these competitions like it's kind of put on a pedestal this ideal world where they're doing the most but actually that's not sustainable for a long term for long term and we even saw that with things like what was the the there was a ballet oh my god I literally uh the one that was all about ygp with miko f- for uh, yes 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 yeah um i can't think of the name but i, I can't remember either but like how i don't know how many of those dancers are dancing i know some of them have gone down different routes and some of them are dancing professionally yeah. amazing but what yeah but we see a lot of young dancers and it's even i think harder if they're in the public eye to an extent or have a big following on Instagram and then they maybe stop dancing yeah um by like 15 16 um and well, that's really difficult so like difficult yeah like I don't know how you navigate that but with having people be better younger like I think that does people fit then people seeing that feel the need to do more than what they're already doing which I get but like work smarter not harder like <laughs> no exactly like, I, mean, I, do, I still see it now oh, yes, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like I, I'm like what like, <laughs> What's going I'm on? like wait what, why, why aren't I doing it and then I'm like wait Tally you're not doing it anymore like chill like, <laughs> um, but it is and I I think that's the thing like social media um has is a blessing and a curse and it has like I think which sometimes it is like it's in the name right it's a highlight of mm-hmm. people's lives um and obviously you know so you get it now you see sometimes more and more like some more authenticity coming through mm. um and things um but otherwise it is a highlight and I think it's hard to forget that there's actually a person behind the screen right so as much as you mm-hmm. may see like beautiful legs by the head loads of turns or anything like that um mm-hmm. that as incredible as it is and I'm in awe of it don't get me wrong um that like dance is an art form at the end of the day and actually it's the person like the real thing in front of you which should be the thing that's being expressed mm-hmm. um and I remember like when I was more posting more like I think dance videos and things when I was back at training or even things like with like food or like a picture of a sunset like mm-hmm. if it wasn't aesthetically like I'm kind of weird I think sometimes with how like my perfectionism and like maybe like slight OCD qualities and certain things but I don't know <laughs> um but like if it didn't look perfect I was like I can't post it I can't share yeah. it which is so dumb like now I'm not like that you know like it is very much like if I like the image I like the image and it's mm. what it is I am who I am you take it or leave it mm. but to get to that point it, it was just it is because you then are it's hard not to get wrapped up with how many likes or this mm. and that particularly I think when you're younger and going through it all um like it's very it's becoming more and more everyone's world you know like you get in contact with people via social media everything's done by that it's such mm-hmm. a powerful tool 
Um, but it's, yeah, I just hope people don't lose that sort of like authenticity of like what is dance and everything behind it as well yeah. and not get roped up in or feel pressured by just like what you see on social media because like it's a screen yeah I mean at the end my I love bringing it my dad is so funny he calls it a light box oh I love at the end of the day (laughs) that is literally what it is like it is a box it is like a box of light literally and that's that's all it is like guys it's never that deep like it's just a (laughs) box of light and I love that because I think it's just such a nut like it really simplifies something that I think for a lot of people causes you know causes quite a bit of stress causes quite a bit of anxiety and at the end of the day it's literally like like it's a screen there's no it's not real like for the majority of it it's not real it's curated it's like (laughs) it's just not real life it's a highlight like some of it's real like obviously it's not people aren't not everyone's photoshopping but it's not the full picture basically yeah no exactly and I think that's exactly that you see a picture not the full picture though yeah um like I know for example and one thing which I then felt probably quite guilty for actually was Mm -hmm. like for example when there were some points when I was in my complete um yeah I was feeling really low um suffered a lot with my anxiety and depression and it on Instagram still you know I don't think not that anybody needs to know you know that's quite a private Mm. thing for me Mm -hmm. um but I would like to be able to talk about it more so people recognize that they're not alone Mm -hmm. in that but it was something probably if you would go like if you scroll me down on social media you wouldn't really recognize because it's not something which you know I'm going to shout for the rooftops a because it's a private thing Mm. but also b because yeah you're not like if you're caught up in the moment it's not like I'm going to take a photo of me like cry my eyes out yeah and then go like hi and like share it like you don't hey guys, do I'm that. That's the thing. exactly you know you don't do that mm. but that's not to say it shouldn't be done like it you know it would be great if I saw mm. it but often just when you're sort of I think in that place or anything like that or if you're truly caught in the moment mm. like even on the flip side when you're completely happy and ecstatic you might not get that shot of whatever it is um so you you know you'll only see that brief Mm. in between moment of something Mm -hmm. um and there's a whole other array of things around it and I know like yeah sometimes I would be like oh my gosh I like it's so hard not to get ruptured to it like I would be worried about how people would perceive me or Mm -hmm. x y and z Mm -hmm. when now coming more and more to the realizations like as I said, you take it or leave it. Mm. <laughs> I'll be Marmite if you want me to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I get that. Um, I mean, completely. I feel like for me, I tend to, I don't know, when I've recently, I guess, been struggling um, with my own mental health is I just tend to like just, I just don't post anything and I just feel like I'm, I don't, like I just don't exist on social media. Like I just stop posting. <laughs> and I'm sometimes like, oh, I don't know how I feel because <laughs> I lo- like part of me loves Instagram like I love sharing little moments I love taking photos of things that I love um and what I try to do to kind of make some kind of real 
bring something real like i i did like five i think it was five i i said i would yeah do i saw week, that i was like oh yeah it. oh i did like a five days of just taking photos of things like literally the most random shit um that made me happy and but that's it right literally what you said that it's what made you happy yeah and like that will vary day to day and it's some days it was really hard to find something <laughs> <laughs> it's that. fine like but that's normal but like and I think we we forget when we're looking at our, like I think in ourselves like everyone listening like we will have days where we will find it harder to find stuff that makes us happy that's I think that's normal I think it's like the finding you know happiness can be a coffee in the morning it can be the fact that you're surrounded by your friends 24 7 like it can be like completely different things each day and that's okay and I and I guess like what I wanted from that was for people to hopefully kind of look into their own be like oh okay like oh what made me happy today or like and stuff that wasn't materialistic and stuff that wasn't about how they looked or was like I don't know I mean that's fine like you can love how you look but like I didn't want it to be like just as I wanted it to be kind of deeper and more to do with like the world outside of me yeah and yeah I don't know I think it's easy to forget that like it is easy to like not absorb what's actually going on (laughs) yeah you know and I mean I think that's the thing like it's so hard sometimes when like stuff goes on around you not to think Mm. like the whole world's falling on your head when actually Mm. look at the grand scheme of things and actually like what's going kind of going wrong around the world at the moment like Mm. how often fortunate you actually are or Mm -hmm. like you know even in the grand scheme of things like there's always something bigger out there like in this world and like I think even whenever you're in the headspace it's always the little things which will add up to make you get out of it like yeah I know for me particularly like after I had my surgery and when I like came home when I was yeah handed in my notice and I was really burnt out and suffering with x y and z Mm -hmm. um and just in that recovery mode I remember my daily step count at one point was like 89 steps so I'm normally someone who cannot sit still like I was yeah used to dancing I don't know plus six hours to 12 hours every day to doing 89 steps and I remember looking at and was like oh my goodness this I've hit rock bottom this is those steps and me (laughs) going to the toilet to getting food like me going to the snack cupboard and but it was so I just said like okay I'm gonna get up to 5,000 and then I'll get up to 10,000 again and it was literally just walking taking a step at a time which is like you know it's such a thing that we take for granted mm. but that was the thing which like just oh, yeah, getting coming back from it yeah yeah and bring it in and it's those little things you know and maybe it was walking to get a coffee as you said um but all of those little things are like a big thing mm. actually they are and it's not too it's amazing I like I that's why I loved it so much what you did because it just shows like how such a small thing can actually add up at the end mm. of the day um you know and if it puts a smile on somebody else's face or a smile yeah, on your I face really love that. 
exactly yeah. yes <laughs> i mean yeah i've just got to the point with instagram particularly like right like i actually don't really care what anyone thinks like i <laughs> like, I'm here for it. and i feel like and i don't know like sometimes i'm thinking like oh my god i post so many photos of my cat people probably say oh actually i don't care i love bloody love my cat everyone else <laughs> fuck right now. like i i'm like if i'm a cat lady then i'm i'm fine with that i'm great literally that's me with my dogs yeah exactly people we, probably like why aren't she facing any ballet anymore? why isn't the dogs i'm like i really love my dog <laughs> it's fine i mean and that's instagram should just be like i just wish it was something that people didn't feel pressured to i guess fully curate a certain life but i understand like i think we all fall into the pressures but i don't know i don't know if it will ever not be that but i just people listening just post whatever the heck you want (laughs) no one actually cares and if they do care then like tally said take it or leave it like just (laughs) it's fine life's too short exactly um okay i think we've had a we've had a nice little conversation nice long conversation um and covered a lot of ground which has been i've really enjoyed the conversation and i hope everyone listening has um enjoyed thank you tally um is there any last words before we round up for today's episode oh my connection just went there um any last words no I think as you said we covered a lot of ground just yeah I want to end I feel like I should end on something like yeah but I I don't just like do what makes you happy (laughs) that's I mean I think that's the most important thing um yeah exactly I'm, I'm not even going to expand on that because i think it's pretty <laughs> self-explanatory we're on a whole other wavelength of topics it's fine <laughs> exactly um yeah so i mean before the we before we do finish um where can the listeners find you on if i do want to follow you on social media um uh, yes um, check you out any questions whatever yeah i'm tally t-a-l-l-y like tally chart tally dot what w-a-t-t perfect i will leave that into the description below this episode um yeah fab thank you so much shelly for coming on um thank you listeners you can hear me same time next week as always um thank you thank very much. you it's been a pleasure to speak to you today honestly it's no been worries i enjoyed it <laughs> oh same <laughs> same um yeah let's let's end it here <laughs> bye everybody this is nathaniel dahlquist i am an actor dancer and aerialist based in los angeles california and one of the guests that rami has had on the hardcore podcast if this podcast has meant something to you and if you found your experience reflected in the guests that rami has had on it would really mean a lot in the spirit of artists helping out other artists if you could leave a review because when the podcast gets reviews it can reach more people and so if it's been meaningful to you It would really help Rami send out her message to many, many more people if you could leave a review. And it would mean a great deal to me personally. Thank you so much. You are absolutely the best.